do you want to do anything to get ready? Do you want to get high before we have this conversation? Do you want to like, no, I, no, no. I liked your react, your, your, your reaction to that <laughs> before we were recording. Um, but anyway, <laughs> who's to say we aren't all ready. Um, I'm, you know what, to be honest, I'm, I'm not, um, normally right. I'll take a little edible before I go to bed sometimes. Um, yeah. like 50, 50, but I got home so late last night and knew that we were recording early today. And, um, was like, I don't think I, does it, does I it stick probably with don't you need that most of the morning. Cause I was tired. No, just, I just mostly was like, I don't think I need to do that because I'm already tired enough because I was, yeah. I'm a hockey professional now and I had okay, my yeah. hockey practice last night. And so I came home and was like, just fell into bed. So today's episode one that you're all listening to is about drug, the, the great drug debate, talking about drug decriminalization, legalization, um, regulation, whatever you want to call it. We're talking about drugs today. When you were in school, only a, oh only a couple God. years ago, apparently. Um, <laughs> did, what? No, I'm saying, did yeah, you guys, that's true. Yeah. Did, did you all have D.A.R.E.? Yeah. Um, yeah. We had D.A.R.E which at the time I was like, yeah, I'll never do drugs. It's even Tylenol's bad. Um, and I think, first of all, I think what we can all agree is in school, it's an, what we should really be learning is all or nothing. So definitely let's teach kids that this thing, this organization has decided it's bad and you can never, ever do it. There's absolutely no other way to talk about it. Um, right. and then also I, the first show I worked on was a cop show and dare gave us like a bunch of stuff. So for, before I rethought my views on dare, I, as an adult had like a cool throwback dare t-shirt and I had a little dare cop car that I drove around on my desk. Huh. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, that dare permeated even into uh, a TV show, Hollywood, so to speak, like. Yeah. You know, and not, and, and I don't know, like, this is not a, is dare good or bad necessarily. I just, I remember I, it was in school. I don't think when I was in school, but as I was like a senior in high school, we were, we were teaching the younger kids about it and, and everything. Cause I was a, like an intern at an elementary school thinking I would go into teaching. You're all welcome. I did not, but <laughs> I, th I feel like it was, it was pretty prevalent then. So my brother, who is your age, we're a, a few years apart was in his, his class. And so I remember it being a thing then. And, and even then, like, I don't know, even then, I, I think I was a little bit cynical of like, well, dare stands for drugs are really exciting. Right. And I was just kind of a smart ass senior <laughs> 18 year old. Right. But you know, now as in my forties, I look back and think, okay, was dare really the best thing was the war on drugs even actually right? Like it's a whole different mm. perspective nowadays. Right. It wasn't right. It wasn't right. Uh, so let's jump into this and, and have a discussion and see where we land. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. So Kim, did you know that as of March of this year, just, just, okay. you know, recently 18 uh -huh. states in the United States and the district of Columbia have all legalized marijuana, adding it to alcohol and nicotine as a third legal drug for adults. Yeah, they did. Ah, ha, ha. California included. Now, Michigan Cal too. now, yeah, Michigan as well. Um, I don't fully agree with how it's been done. Here in California, I can't speak to other states because um, 
I just pay attention to California. No, I, I don't know this off the top of my head. I just know that this happened in California is that um, they made Calif- they made weed legal in California and then did not immediately say, OK, now if you're in jail on marijuana only charges, let's get you out of here. Right. Which is what they should well, have done. And, and I'm going to take it one step further. Not only marijuana, but if your charges are any way related to that, we pulled you over, you had weed, and then also this happened, this and that, whatever, or like mm-hmm. so much of it is predicated upon that drug being illegal when, and again, it's, this goes back to race, surprisingly, not so much. Yeah. You know, like those who are non-white were were punished at higher rates for longer times and targeted more often you get you get hit with with some marijuana as a white teen you're gonna be just let go like now not always obviously i'm I'm sure but like that's that's in general that's what's gonna happen let me give you a, a stat despite this is from the aclu website despite roughly equal usage rates black people are 3.73 times more likely than white people to be arrested for marijuana Despite almost four times as usage, Uh 88% of people um, arrested between 2001 and 2008, um, it was just for simply having marijuana. Yeah. That's wild to me. Now, what's interesting to me about this conversation is that the stat that I read said a third drug legal for adults. But here's my problem with that particular part of that statement is that how are we defining drug? So caffeine is a drug, but that is completely legal and sold everywhere to children. Mm-hmm. Like my teenagers mm-hmm. are like, oh, I want to go to Starbucks or get a monster or re- drink a Red Bull, whatever. Right. By the way, all sponsored yeah. by Starbucks, Red Bull and monster. My America is <laughs> so, but like that, you know, energy drinks and everything else. I mean, all that stuff is going to affect your system and alter your being in some way. And then we've got the whole pharmaceutical side of drugs. We call marijuana as a drug. Say no to drugs. By the way, here's an opioid that will help you with your pain and hook you for life. Like, hold on a minute. I mean, you know, my story with um, doctors prescribing me pills, and I'm not going to go too far into it here, but I was fed pills for a very long time because I was in legitimate pain. And those pain pills are made to make you want them more. Because that is, you know, that is the point of them. So um, they are purposefully addictive. If somebody had said to me, why don't you try some pot? I would have been, I'm fine. But it probably would have made things a whole lot easier. And what I have, I have recurring pain still now. And I'll usually just have like an edible or um, some like THC lotion and that kind of stuff. That's a better, it's, you know not to be all hippie about it, but like, it's more holistic. It's from the earth. And also it's not made by, you know, one of three companies that are building something so that they can make millions and billions of dollars off your addiction. And this, this article, and this is all from the Institute for Behavior and Health say it, alcohol and nicotine are the leading cause causes of preventable illness and death in the U S. So even though they're legal, they are a problem. So like, so when I was doing a little bit of research for this episode to talk, you know, my first thought was, yeah, just like legalize it, right? De- or at least decriminalize it in some way, right? Whether it's marijuana or many other kinds of what are now illicit and illegal drugs, so often 
Now, I, I don't want my kids having access to cocaine and crack and heroin. Like, yes, I get that. But I also understand that so much of this is an addiction and a sickness. We talk about alcoholism mm-hmm. so much better than we did 20, 30 years ago, yeah. as far as it being an illness, right? A sickness. But we look at a drug use and go, oh, they're just, they're, they're terrible, right? They're, they're, and I'm going to use words that I hear in the news. They're homeless and addicted and they have crack babies and blah, blah, blah. And, and we just, we, we victimize these folks who so often are already victims and we criminalize right. them as well. And it's just like, wait, so anyway, so, so I, I feel like decriminalizing is a great path in some way on the other, and then, and then regulate it. Right. Like we have food regulations and it's not perfect. The FDA is certainly not perfect. And other organizations are not perfect. Sure. The the government is run by people and money. So it's not perfect. But regulations do help for sure. So let's 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 regulate it. On the other hand, I look at this and I think, okay, wait a minute. Alcohol and nicotine are the leading causes of preventable illnesses and death in the United States. That slapped me in the face when I was in this research. I was like, wait a minute. And then I got me thinking about how we've got, you know, tobacco. In the last 30 years, tobacco, big tobacco, has taken a lot of heat for what they did to us purposefully, rightfully so they took a lot of heat. So big tobacco had to be re-regulated and all this other stuff. So now I'm thinking, okay, so now we're going to have big marijuana. All these companies who who How much heat do you think that they've taken, though? They did originally. Now now they've got vape. And, you know, well, it smells like it. Yeah. banana cream pudding. So what do you, did you really learn anything or did you learn that you could retool and market to kids in a different way? Well, and, and I'll be honest, I don't know the companies behind vaping and oils and all that. I don't know if it's the same companies as tobacco. So I, like, I don't know. What I know is that capitalism breeds the next generation of like, we're going to get people hooked in, right? Capitalism, mm-hmm. advertising, PR, all this stuff. So yeah, we didn't, we didn't learn as a society. We didn't learn shit from it. Yeah. And that's where I'm thinking like, okay, we, we had big tobacco and they got hit pretty hard. No more advertising on TV, all these things. But then all of a sudden now we've got, you know, vape shops everywhere and it's, and it's fine. And now my, my kids who are in high school have to battle the vaping epidemic that is in school bathrooms and other stuff. And they're like, I don't want this around me. So now we, we legalized, decriminalized marijuana and now we have big marijuana and now it's a great big industry that goes on that same road. How, like, where's the balance? What, anyway, I've talked enough. I, the point is I struggle. Decriminalize it, yes, but also, and then regulate it, but also capitalism is going to take it to the next level and screw us all over. Sure, but that's part of the regulation, right? I mean, you would hope. So regulate the the advertising and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, you know, my my pushback a little bit is that I don't I don't think being a non-doctor, I don't mean to brag, but I did master all of the science. But I am a non-doctor. <laughs> Jack of all mm-hmm. trades, master of none. <laughs> um, so so I I'm saying this just to say it. There are way more chemicals in a cigarette and in the um oils to make vaping happen than in pot and they do research to show that like thc levels help football players brains be a little bit more um cushioned you know they did that study in washington uh state so i i don't know i yes regulate it but it's hard to hear like that nicotine and marijuana are kind of in the same 
breath when it's like I want to push back against that a little bit. The other thing that I think it's oh, interesting yeah. to push back a little bit on is um not with you, but I would think about this a lot when people will be like, we have we have to make pot illegal for the kids for the kids, and then it's the same like the wine mom caricature of you know it's five o'clock somewhere. I can't get through my soccer practice without my wine. That's all well and good, but that's an addiction. So it's really hard for me to hear people talk about how like, oh, we have to not have um, any pot because of the kids. But I can I want my kids to see me drinking every single meal, which is not I'm not saying that if you're drinking every single meal, that's a problem. Addiction. Everybody's addiction is their own personal thing. Addiction looks different to everybody, but I don't know. Now, when you talk about tobacco and marijuana being different, absolutely. But remember, but my pushback to you then would be this. Remember, when tobacco was first brought to market, it was simply just dried, rolled and smoked and we were fine. But then big tobacco began to put in all these things that made it more addictive. They began to change it and alter it and add other carcinogens, other things. And now all of a sudden, tobacco that was also from the earth is now this great big industry. And that's my concern with marijuana is that now that we've made it legal in so many states it becomes this big industry and they go let's add a little bit of that stuff to it that we like not and so now yeah. yes regulation should be there 100 percent, but we know is it always no and so that's the concern that i have is that balance of yes it should be decriminalized i believe and i think there are so many health benefits to it like you said using mm -hmm. cbd and taking out the thc has been proven to be a great health benefit for a lot of ways but and, and also like you said, you know, that's the problem I have with it is that what you described as the, the wine mom phenomenon, which is a whole nother like and that could be. A whole episode, I mean, it's a it? like I'm talking about that specific like marketing technique that I, <laughs> I mean, it was marketed to be like the wine mom is a meme, basically. Oh, yeah. With the way oh, yeah. Marketed. But yeah, it's such a specific type of like lifestyle that was created by the Internet culture and also marketing. And, and it like. And again, I think that could be a whole episode of the wine mom phenomenon, because it also, I think, really puts biological women into, into this box of, it, you know, you have to use wine to get through your day and all these things. And it, and that's that's self-care. If you really knew it's not what we had to go through, we would you would also Look, drink wine to get through your entire day. Do you understand? I don't understand, but I know that I don't understand. So that's fine. Dudes Good are answer. Gross. Um, you know, the, the, this whole idea that alcohol is fine and it mm -hmm. is. There's nothing inherently wrong with alcohol itself. We're not going back to prohibition. But I also understand that there are issues and we need to be able to talk about those issues as well. So it's, I feel like it's a better place than what it was during prohibition. I feel like we're in a better place than we have been in the past, whatever. But it's still like we, so drinking is acceptable. No problem. We have campaigns against drunk driving, but it still happens. But, but drinking is fine. Why is marijuana so different? Why is it so bad? That's my question, I guess. All that to say, both of them alter. Both of them can have fun. Both of them can have health benefits. There are health benefits to wine, which you could probably get from just like grape juice, I would suppose, but I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. But why, like, who the hell decided that it was so bad? That's I'll tell my you question, exactly what happened. I'll tell, tell you me. exactly what happened. Tell In me. the White House, whilst drinking his whiskey and smoking his cigarettes and talking to their psychic, the Reagans decided that we needed to have a, quote, war on drugs. It always comes back to Reagan. He sucked. Um, that's why. That's why. It was illegal before that, right? I mean, I mean, let, let's be honest. Like, let's go back even further. Yes, than that. it was. But I'm saying that the numbers. Let me give you some numbers from the war on drugs. 
the start of the war on drugs era. Well, I, uh, so by the way, I don't know what exactly you're going to say, but I not too long ago read some information about the war on drugs and how there wasn't a drug problem. They manufactured it and said, it's taking over our youth. And it was not. So like, Correct. if you're going to talk about like, yeah, that, that su surprised me, honestly, I was fed this line yeah. growing up and I was like, wait, it was completely manufactured. Yeah. And obviously we know why it was manufactured. Oh yeah. Because that starts to feel like success is a pie and power is a pie, even though none of those things are true. And so you have to take away somebody else's power so that you can feel like you have more power, even though you are sitting in the white house, but your psychic told you based on the numbers that it's time to start dwindling rights away. So you did this. That's why. Um, this is from the sentencingproject.org. Uh, the number of Americans incarcerated for drug offenses has skyrocketed from 40,900 in 1980 to 430,926 in 2019. 39 years. Furthermore, harsh sentencing laws such as mandatory drug minimums, or mandatory minimums, keep people convicted of drug offenses in prison for longer periods of time. In 1986, people released after serving time for a federal drug offense had spent an average of 22 months. By 2004, 62 months as an average in jail, mostly for pot. Five years. Yeah. And, and what is the makeup of people that are in jail? Black men are six times as likely to be incarcerated as white men, and Latinos are 2.5 times as likely. For black men in their 30s, one in every 12 is in prison or jail on any given day. We jail at higher rates than any other country, any other quote unquote free country in this world. I mean, and, yeah, it's a problem that and, wasn't a problem. Right. And I can, I can hear the rhetoric from certain people saying things like, well, if they didn't break the law, they wouldn't be punished. Right. You hear that all the time. We just, I just heard that same argument about a police shooting of a black man. Well, if he just would have followed the law, I can give you hundreds of cases where they followed everything and were still shot. So shut up. And also my thing to that is always, okay. Did they deserve to die? And the same thing here. Like you, you, you can't tell me that there again, usage rates, as you uh -huh. um, alluded to earlier, are, are roughly the same out of the population of humans with more melanin in their skin. It's the same usage as those of us with less melanin. And yet they are imprisoned and at higher rates and punished at greater rates. That's the problem. It's not that they broke any law at a higher rate. They are not more criminal-ish than white people. It's the system that's doing it. And so decriminalizing will, will, will help that. And it'll also help poor white people who, or I mean, yeah, not rich white people because they can get away with it as we've talked well, about. The um, speaking of rich white people, uh, the Anti-Drug Abuse Act of 1986 included a provision that created the disparity, disparity between um, crack cocaine and powder cocaine, imposing these same penalties for the possession of an amount of crack cocaine as much like that same penalty for 100 times the amount of powder cocaine. Powder cocaine in the 80s was like, you know, Wall Street bros and that kind of stuff. It's the same drug it is in a different form 
only difference between the two is the population that uses it. Yeah, it's a um, solution in search of a problem. What I found interesting when I was doing some of this research, too, is that like talking about decriminalizing the U.S. Department of Justice Office of Justice Programs has a report that says legalizing drugs would benefit the United States. Okay, and in that the the abstract includes this this portion here government at all levels spends about 100 billion dollars a year on law enforcement and criminal justice programs to combat the drug problem and about 35 billion dollars is directly related to drug law enforcement about 50 billion a year could be saved if drugs were legalized and this figure could go as high as 150 billion dollars a year if one considers the resources spent on ineffective drug suppression activities so even our own Department of Justice says this is expensive and not worth our time. Yeah. Imagine how much this, good that money could do for our government and our people if we weren't trying to criminalize something that shouldn't even be criminalized in the first place. This is what frustrates me about one, what used to be a political party, because you, you want to have small government. You want your money to go further, in theory. That's not what they want, though. What they want is the appearance of being tough on crime, of being smart um, financially and all this kind of stuff. But they're willing to ignore facts like this. Decriminalizing, making legal these drugs is not going to significantly increase addiction rates. And in fact, it's going to help people that are addicted because there's less stigma around it. There's less... Um, concerned that they're going to go to jail when they're trying to get some help. Um, they can get the rehab help that they need, all that kind of stuff. They can, if they if they want to to do drugs, small government, they can do drugs at that point because it's legal. But you can get some clean needles, so you're not sharing disease. The state or the country makes more money. All this kind. It's very helpful. You have more productive members of society out in society doing what they should be doing, which is being productive. They don't care about that. They don't care about the reality of what this would, how much this would benefit the country. They care about looking like X, Y, Z. And about control, power and control. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, is that, how do we, so here, here's where I begin to struggle. How, how do you draw distinctions and draw lines, right? Do you just make everything legal or do you say, okay, look, things like marijuana, you know, we, we need to reconfigure the laws around things like cocaine because crack versus powder is obviously a huge disparity. It needs to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I look at some of the other research about drug manufacturing and stuff, you know, so many of these cartels out in the world are very violent. They steal resources, all that. Like, does legalizing it take away that power? Or do we say, you know, heroin... Too much, you know, meth too far. Meth is never going to be legal. Like, like, how do I don't know? I just, I still have this stigma in my mind of things like cocaine and, you know, powder and crack both being very damaging. Meth is extremely damaging. Heroin kills. I still have a problem with, with those hard drugs, I'll call it, for lack of a better formed educational phrase. Yeah. I just, that makes me uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't know what to do about that. Well, if it makes you uncomfortable. No. 
Listen. <laughs> my my Listen, choice of words I, there. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But it's funny. <laughs> um, I'm not going <laughs> to. The audience expects a certain something from me. Um, I think decriminalizing all of it is a start. I'm not saying. I'm saying for use. I'm not talking about the manufacturing of, the selling of, all that kind of stuff. But the use of should be decriminalized. And that includes a certain amount of possession as well. Um, I think that that is a place to start because I think about addiction and I think that that would be helpful. I think that somebody who is going through a hard time in their life doesn't also need to be put in jail to make a hard time harder. That goes for any nonviolent crime. There are ways to react that does not include just putting somebody in jail because it's easier and you want to not have to see it or deal with it. Um, so I think decriminalizing to start with, I think, yeah, regulating things like marijuana. If you're going to make marijuana legal, if you're going to make mushrooms legal, which states are doing now too, um, you know, regulate that. I think that's, those are good places to start. And looking at the way that we, you know, it, this is going to take something that this country does not want to do. So this is not going to happen, but we should be looking at what we did with the drug wars, the war on drugs and um, what we did in the eighties and nineties and, and looking at our incarceration rates and say, and the laws that were written then and saying, okay, it's time to let a whole lot of people start coming back into out of jail and back into society because we fuck them over big time but this country would never do that because we can't even admit that we used that this country was built on the backs of slave labor so that's what do they say the best way to grow is to never think about your past <laughs> never Sounds reckon like a, with the terrible terrible shit you did like a 1980s inspirational poster i saw on a wall somewhere that's exactly it yeah i'm gonna put that on my next t-shirt i want the audience to know that i'm wearing a shirt that i made myself that says <laughs> Joe Manchin is not the best we can do because I think a lot of things should be decriminalized. Bullying Joe Manchin should be decriminalized. No, bullying is never good. It's not good. A little pushback wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, yeah. Well, and that's the beauty of elections, smart politics, like instead of cult behavior. But anyway, I love having this discussion with people who say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm fine with it being decriminalized and being legal. I say, okay, great. So when are we letting everybody out of prison and jail? Oh, whoa, well, whoa, I mean, whoa, whoa, I don't wait. Or if they say, yeah, we should do that. I say, okay, great. Now what about, um, you know, reparations for keeping them in jail and prison for so long when things should never have been illegal in the first place? Well, hold on, hold on. Like, let's just go all out. I'm, I'm at that progressive level now <laughs> where hey, welcome. I'm like, we, we, we fucked them over. Like exactly what you said. Yeah. We on purpose. Should this have ever been illegal in the first place? No, it was, and they broke the law, but now we realize the mistake of our ways. I mean, some of us do and say, okay, we need to make up. We need to make, make this up to them as human beings. They deserve all of their rights back. They deserve to vote. They deserve to have the record wiped clean. They deserve monetary reparations because of what they've missed out on in life. They will never be able to not never. It'll be extremely difficult to create generational wealth now that they're in their sixties and seventies. And just getting out of prison, finally, we're like, all right, pat on the back. Good luck. See you later. They've been institutionalized. You've been in there since the 80s. You don't even know what a cell phone is. I, I mean, they know, you oh, know, they know, but you know what I mean? They haven't had it in the way yeah. that the, the world has changed in the, in the 39 yes. years since we've done this shit. And, um, you know, that's the other thing, too. 
when we talk about what decriminalization looks like, it's like, yeah, you can't just immediately say you've been in jail for the last 39 years. Bye. Just because, yeah, money. That is the other thing this country needs to be doing, too, is doing a better job of transitioning people out of being incarcerated because we just do such a shit job of being like, sorry, see ya. We do that on in a, in, a, in a few other areas too, but this is not the episode for that. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel I feel that I feel that way a hundred percent. I also feel that way about our military service and a yep. couple other issues where I'm like, we we do not we we take as a nation and we do not give. Mm-hmm. We leave that up to yeah. the private sector, so to speak. And yeah, anyway, yeah, I the the prison. There's a lot of prison reform that needs to happen in addition to the decriminalization of, of drugs. And for us, you know, it was, it was the medical fight first. I remember being in news more than 10 years ago when medical marijuana was the debate in Michigan and how many people were doing it legitimately, but bending the rules. Like, Oh, I, it wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. You need a medical, right? I had a, I had a dirty doc card for the first, like, six months before it became recreational here. And it was like, yeah. you literally went to a doctor, you paid in cash. You just said my back hurts. I didn't tell, I wasn't a hockey professional then. So I had to just make it up. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. that, I mean, yeah, it's like the easiest thing that was same as getting like a, um, emotional support note from your doctor for your animal for Ruth. It's the same, it's yeah. the same idea. It's just a dirty doc. You know, you pay and get yeah. it done. That's just funny. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, look, on the corner, just walk in. Yeah. Now, what about like the age requirements? You know, recently, even tobacco is now 21 nationally, yeah. right? So is like, it should all stay at 21? Do you, like, what's your thought on that? I think that's, I think I'm fine with it. I don't really have any thoughts on that. I'm over 21, so I don't really care. <laughs> oh, no, it doesn't matter 21... to you anymore, huh? Yeah, I think 21 now that I'm 24, I think 21 is like, listen, you're you're in theory. This is a very privileged thought process. I want to be really clear. But like in theory, you're five years into driving. You are done with high school. You're on to whatever that life looks like afterwards. You know, you're kind of in adulthood enough that like introducing a new substance legally isn't. I think that the timing is right. Do I think that a lot of people are waiting to to drink or smoke pot or whatever until they're 21? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I, I, I genuinely very, very rarely drink before I turn 21. Very yeah. rarely. So. That was not my story. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I went with a bunch of college students. The science says that your brain is not fully developed until 25. So you've got a year to go yet. Um, your, <laughs> but then you're never, you never stop growing either. Like your brain is always developing, on, but it's not fully formed or whatever they, I don't know the scientific term for it now, but till you're 21, till you're 25. So 21 seems to be better than 18 for these substances that could stunt your mental uh, physiological growth. Right. Anyway, yeah. whatever the words are, your brain growth. So I guess that makes sense. But then on the other hand, I think about like, look, if, if you can serve your country at 18, why the hell can't you have a beer? And because we put such a stigma on things like alcohol, you know, from as I, I'm not a traveler, but as I understand, you know, European countries don't have the same stigma. They don't worry about that. That you can have yeah. a glass of wine with dinner at 14 or 16 or whatever, 
And it's like, yeah, it's, it's fine. Um, yeah. And, you know, I've, I've heard the anecdotally, we have much higher alcoholism rates and other problems than other countries do, but I don't know if that's the case. I, I had another research. For sure. Binge drinking rates are higher, yeah. but Americans do everything to excess. Yeah, we do. Anyway. All right. So we agree. Decriminalize, let people out, give them reparations, make up for what we need to do. Give them an interesting makeup time. Also? Sure. Why not? You want to wear makeup, wear makeup. It's cool. Yeah, I agree. I just want it to be cheaper. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, there you go. So if you're listening and you have uh, an opinion or research on this drug decriminalization debate, we'd love to see that and hear from you. And he, again, this podcast is meant to spark conversations and even debate and discussions. You have an opposing viewpoint. Let us know. Kim might, you know, bully you and tell you that, you know, you're yeah, wrong. Tell Dan. But uh, go ahead and bring it on because we do want to have these discussions because I don't I don't have all the answers for sure. Like I said, some of the things make me uncomfortable still because I just don't have all the answers. But as we talk through it, it, it makes sense. What? Well, What's that smirk for? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're uncomfortable. <laughs> at my American pod on the social medias, uh, I am at Dan Moyle over on social. So hit me up. But if you really want to argue, hit up Kim. Kim, what's your social? Um, Dan, it's embarrassing that you continue to ask. The audience already knows. I am obviously at, if you're listening to this on the day the episode came out, there are 201 days between now and the midterm elections, 201 days. If you are not listening to it on the day it came out, that's completely fine. Everyone has their own thing. Everyone does their own thing. Um, Dan likes to just drive into uh, pot stores and not go in. My cat likes to walk in front of the camera. I like to listen to this on the day it came out. Everyone has their own priorities. That's fine. That just means that there's less time. Less time to get registered to vote. Less time to find your polling place. Less time to decide you want to vote in your Jimmy Jams. So you want to do absentee voting. All that kind of stuff. So just and uh, it, it's just not it's it's ner uh, it's nerve wracking. It's nerve wracking because um, it's so little time. And next time it's going to be less than 200 days. We'll be into the 100. So dot net. <laughs> Um, or dot, no, 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 dot IO. Everything's dot IO. .io. <laughs> I'm an app. Or dot AI. Um, at Kim Moffat on Instagram and Twitter, at Kim Moffat is here on TikTok, talking ticks. Uh, genuinely, there are, when you're, by the time you're listening to this, at most 201 days between now and the midterm elections. If you are concerned about that, um, you can reach out to me on all social media needs. Well, there you go. So uh, hit us up, myamericapod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Uh, Kim, go enjoy up, your buddy? edibles. Thank you. My America is a production of the Storytellers Network. This show is written and produced by Kim Moffat and Dan Moyle. Kim takes care of editing and graphics while Dan helps with episode production on the web. Both Dan and Kim run social media. For more information on the show, including past episodes, visit thestorytellersnetwork.com slash myamerica. Great job, Dan.